Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. At this point, most shows are winding down. Roy is just getting started. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. the last hour. Uh, the United States drops the mother of all bombs in Afghanistan and fires missiles at a Syrian air base. North Korea threatens a nuclear test and a nuclear attack on the United States, which in turn has a huge carrier group off the coast of the Koreas. China warns of war with the Chinese foreign minister, warning both the uh, North Koreans and the United States, that nobody could win such a war. You have Russia and Iran teaming up, and they're complaining about the missile strike on Assad's airfield. And uh, so the other question was whether or not America would strike at the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, that's North Korea, this weekend. And uh, the question was whether... The uh, chubby little guy who runs North Korea, the guy with the awful haircut, is whether uh, he would exercise his nuclear muscle and hold another nuclear test. So there's all sorts of questions that are out there, but I, so many people seem to be indifferent, not indifferent, but uh, are, are not really caught up in what's going on. We're talking about potential serious fighting uh, taking place between North Korea and the United States. At least that was the concern. With me on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network is Colonel Peter Mansour. He's the former executive officer to General David Petraeus. He's also a former brigade commander in Iraq, and he's the author of Surge. Um, My journey with General David Petraeus and the remaking of the Iraq War. He's a professor of military history at Ohio State University, Colonel Peter Mansour. Colonel Mansour, thank you for the time. Uh, what's your view of the dropping of the so-called mother of all bombs? Well, this particular uh, bomb uh, creates a massive overpressure, which can collapse tunnel networks. It, uh, it's uh, equivalent to about 11 tons of TNT. And in this case, it was a tactical decision by uh, the commander in Afghanistan, um, General John Mick Nicholson, my West Point classmate, um, to save the lives of uh, troops and instead drop this weapon and uh, destroy the ISIS tunnel networks from the air. Uh, it was a fairly, um, uh, what we would call a clean battlefield, not a lot of civilians around. It's on a, in a very remote area in eastern Afghanistan on the Pakistani border. And um, by all accounts, uh, after they went in and, and looked at the damage, they figured that they killed about 36 uh, ISIS militants, but on the other hand, they probably saved dozens of uh, friendly lives because you didn't have to have infantry go in and clear out those tunnels hand to hand. Was this a signal also being sent beyond Afghanistan, maybe to uh, 
maybe to Korea and to other countries the United States is rubbing elbows with now in a not-so-friendly manner? You know, I don't think uh, that was the uh, intent, uh, and I don't think this was uh, some sort of um, uh, calculated move by uh, the Trump administration. On the other hand, uh, they certainly could use it to their advantage, uh, no doubt about that. Um, I think it shows uh, rather that uh, President Trump has delegated a lot of, uh, of, of authority down to his combatant commanders, and you can see that in the ramped-up airstrikes in Syria and Iraq. You can see that with the, the raid in Yemen authorized by the Secretary of Defense. You can see that now with uh, the dropping of the uh, mother of all bombs in Afghanistan. And I think you'll see that going forward. Uh, I think uh, President Trump has simply unleashed the American military to do what they think is right uh, within the confines of, uh, of stated policy. How do you view and how do you think the American military views comparing Donald Trump and Barack Obama as commanders in chief? Um, at the moment, I think the military is uh, probably um, elated by the change in, in atmosphere in Washington. Under President Obama, all major decisions had to go up to the White House for uh, analysis and, uh, and uh, debate. And as a result, um, targets that um, might have been struck uh, you know, disappeared in, in the time it took for a decision to be made. We could call that uh, paralysis by analysis. Um, President Trump is completely different. He's simply told the Secretary of Defense, Jim Mattis, you do what you think is right uh, within uh, our stated uh, policy and goals and, um, and within the rules of engagement. And I think you, you see that all over the place now, and the military is probably very, very happy with the, the support they have from above. The, uh, the dropping of the mother of all bombs. I spoke earlier with Douglas Wissing, a journalist who's been embedded with American troops in Afghanistan on three separate occasions, and he sees this as a significant uh, problem or uh, something that the United States should not have done because his argument is what it will do is it will draw together jihadis who were maybe at each other's throats previously, or now will say this, is, uh, this will unite us. And he also says that people on the ground in Afghanistan, the people of Afghanistan, are so tired with the corruption in their governments that they're looking to the uh, jihadis with the... Uh, with increased interest, and I won't say affection, but certainly with increased interest, and uh, and that the mother of all bombs may have actually coalesced all these particular uh, energies and turned them into one. What do you think? Hmm. I, I just I, I don't see how the dropping of one piece of ordnance in a very remote area would have that effect. Um, I think there's broader underlying currents that are at, at play, and, and certainly the corruption in, in Afghanistan is is one of them. I think Afghanistan, by all accounts, is the most corrupt country on the planet. Uh, it's also been at war since the late 70s, and, uh, and uh, that has created an unusual dynamic of its own. I'm not sure that uh, the people will embrace uh, the jihadis. On the other hand, the Taliban has made serious inroads into the Pashtun community, uh, but they've, they've had that support for a long, long time. So I, I don't know how this particular event changes anything, quite frankly. Colonel Mansour, I'm going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk about the North Korea reality and uh, what may be happening as far as the dangers posed by the uh, regime in North Korea is concerned. Are, uh, are the North Koreans a threat to the region and beyond? And what about China, and where does Vladimir Putin fit into all of this? We'll come back on The Green Show. 
for more Roy Green. Visit RoyGreen.com for podcasts, blogs, highlights, and even a nice picture of Roy. Back to the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. The book is called Surge, My Journey with General David Petraeus and the Remaking of the Iraq War. It's by Colonel Peter Mansour, former executive officer to General David Petraeus and former commander of the 1st Brigade in Iraq, now professor of military history at Ohio State University. And we're talking about the, uh, the world we live in today and particularly this weekend and whether or not there is a threat of a shooting confrontation between the People's Republic of Korea, North Korea, and uh, the United States, depending on what Korea may or may not do with nuclear weapons or with a nuclear test. Colonel Mansour, how concerned are you about what may happen over the next 48 hours, particularly if the North Korean regime decides they're going to celebrate their, I guess it's their 105th year of living in the brilliant sunshine of the uh, the family that runs the country? What if they decide that they're going to uh, have a little exercise with their nuclear capability? What's going to happen? You know, I think we're we're closer to war in uh, Korea <clears throat> than we have been since the armistice in 1953, um, and and the reason is uh, is this: the Trump administration um, realizes that the the policy that we followed to date, which is basically kicking the can down the road, sanctioning North Korea, um, North Korea does something pro- provocative, there's negotiations, and then we we give them something, whether it's aid or or a relaxation of sanctions, and and then they do something provocative again, and and we kick the can down there. This has just got to stop. And everyone in the administration has said that. Secretary of State has said that. The president has said that. Um, uh, The Secretary of Defense has said that. Everyone realizes that within this administration, North Korea could get an intercontinental ballistic missile and they could put a nuclear weapon on it, and then they could jeopardize Seattle or Vancouver or San Francisco, and it's just not going to happen. And so I think that we are very, very close to this administration taking military action unless uh, North Korea backs down and decides to start dismantling its nuclear program. And I think that was the message sent to the Chinese president at Mar-a-Lago when the President Trump and him met last week. When the Chinese say, and they said yesterday through the foreign minister, that nobody's going to win this war and counsels both uh, the United States and North North Korea to back off or back down or, or take a step backward, uh, what are the Chinese actually saying? Well, I think Whose side are they on? The, the, I, I, re- I think they realize the seriousness of the situation. Um, they would prefer it uh, come down to a negotiated resolution uh, but the Trump administration is not going to allow a, a, a negotiated resolution that doesn't actually resolve anything. And uh, they don't want a freezing of the program, of the nuclear program. They don't want uh, to slow roll uh, for North Korea, Kim Jong-un, to slow roll us and, and continue to increase his arsenal, which is now at about 20 nuclear weapons. They want it eliminated. They want that arsenal gone. And, uh, and so I think uh, it, it either is gone via the Chinese putting pressure on them and, and through negotiations and sanctions, 
or it's gone via military action. But one way, it's going to it's going to end. So, if the North Koreans were to move one or two of their nuclear weapons into position, not to fire at the United States now, because I keep hearing they don't have the capability to put a nuclear warhead on their rockets and reach the United States yet, but they certainly could reach South Korea. Seoul is within uh, regular uh, military shelling distance of the North Korean army. They could reach Japan. So if the North Koreans were to make some sort of offensive on-the-ground move, suggesting that they were aiming one of their nuclear weapons, which would be picked up, I would imagine, by the uh, by the uh, nuclear bomb sniffers in the air, the, the aircraft, what does the United States do? Well, um, all options are on the table, as the Trump administration has said time and again. But if you're going to stop them, you're going to have to shoot them, right? Yep, you're going to have to um, use... Uh, uh, and they have said that they would use conventional weapons only to to take out these these weapons. And, and there there are some massive uh, bombs, even bigger than the mother of all bombs. They're called massive ordnance penetrators or MOPs that can uh, penetrate into the earth and destroy underground facilities. And uh, you could very well see those used uh, launched from aircraft from the uh, from the carrier strike group that's now in position and from. Uh, and even from uh, long-range bombers or, or missiles launched from the United States, all, all of those weapons have the capability to deliver that ordinance. And that very well could, could happen if North Korea makes uh, a, wrong, a wrong move here. The, um, what does China do in that, in that situation? Just try to be um, a, a peacemaker? Or they have to take sides, and their, their economic interests are siding with the United States, not with North Koreans. But traditionally, they've been an ally of North Korea. Yeah, traditionally they have, but I think they're really tired of North Korea and uh, and Kim Jong Un and his father Kim Jong Il. Right. Um, they have uh, been very very provocative, the the North Koreans, and it uh, is not working to the, the ch- interest of the Chinese. Uh, so I don't know what they do. Um, I think they probably uh, use their diplomatic uh, channels to try to calm tensions or or if there is a strike to make sure that it doesn't turn into an all-out war. But, um, you know, it's anyone's guess at this point. What's the battlefield if it's all-out war? Is it South Korea? Um, it's South Korea. It could be Japan as well. That's why we have uh, the new um, uh, anti-missile system that we just uh, the United States just emplaced in South Korea that can shoot down North Korean missiles headed for Seoul or, or for Japan. Uh, but um, if, if it is all-out war... You have uh, thousands of artillery pieces within range of the South Korean capital, um, and it would be very, very devastating uh, both to the uh, South Korean civilians and eventually to North Korea itself, because if it comes down to an all-out war, North Korea cannot win, and they will be completely crushed eventually, um, but they will take a lot of people down with them. Yeah, and there's been no armistice, or at least there's been no, uh, there's been no peace, there's been no official ceasefire, there's an armistice. Right, between Correct. between uh, the United States or is the United Nations and uh, North Korea? That's correct. There's a, right now, it's uh, technically a state of war that's in uh, in a ceasefire. Right, um, and it is technically the United Nations against uh, at war with uh, with North Korea. That so, is not. So, do you think changed. the U- you think the U.S. is uh, is working to put uh, some sort of coalition together to? To, um, to attack North Korea if the North Koreans make moves with their nuclear weapons? Um, I, I think those negotiations are probably ongoing. At, yeah. uh, 
at um, a very high level. Uh, you, you've seen the Secretary of State, Secretary of Defense uh, in uh, South Korea and in Japan uh, recently, and, um, and I'm sure they are making sure that uh, if we strike, it's with the approval of our allies over there. This is serious business, isn't it? This is as serious as it gets. And, in fact, President Obama, by all accounts, told President Trump when he took office that this would be the number one crisis coming into, um, into office. And I think he was right. Would it surprise you if something very negative develops over the next 48 hours? That seems to have been the time frame that has been of great concern. It, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, and if it doesn't develop now, I think very likely within the next few years, if North Korea doesn't halt their development of an intercontinental ballistic missile, we're going to see some action taken if, uh, if China and, and uh, the United States can't put enough pressure on North Korea to halt their program. Colonel Mansour, where does uh, Vladimir Putin fit into all of this in Russia? You know, it, uh, interestingly enough, Russia has really stayed out of the, uh, uh, the North Korea issue, um, even though um, there was, uh, Russia was also an ally of North Korea back, back in the day. Um, they don't seem to be uh, very much interested in that part of the world, or at least that particular conflict. I, I think uh, Vladimir Putin's sights are set uh, elsewhere uh, in Ukraine and the Baltic states and, and Syria, and he's got enough on his plate. He's probably uh, holding his fire on this one. So the final question I have for you is, what's your prediction as a professional who's been at the at the uh, very pointy end of the stick of uh, some really serious battles, and, and you understand military strategy and politics as well, what's your best call on what's going to happen in the next in the short term? Um, in the short term, I think cooler heads will prevail on, on both sides. Um, but I think there's greater than a 50-50 chance that we will see some sort of conflict break out on the Korean Peninsula uh, in the next four years. And it wouldn't surprise you if it's in the next 48 hours. And it wouldn't surprise me at all. Wow. Colonel Mansour, always good talking to you. Thank you so much for the time. Thanks, Roy. All the best. Colonel uh, Peter Mansour. Surge. My Journey with General David Petraeus and the Remaking of the Iraq War is his book. He was a brigade commander, first brigade commander in Iraq. And it's sobering to hear someone like uh, Peter Mansour, Colonel Mansour, say it wouldn't surprise him if war breaks out in the next 48 hours. We'll come right back.